Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Excited that you're listening again today. And we're excited about our guest today. Our guest has been in the game for 20 plus years now. Um, He's an accomplished saxophone player and composer with nine albums and multiple top songs to his credit. On his latest release, The Time Is Now, he's joined by the likes of David P. Stevens, Adam Hawley, and Blake Aaron. Welcome to the show today, Mr. D. Lucas. D., thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. The pleasure is all ours, man. I have to tell you, man, listening to your music, for me, evokes some George Howard and some Grover, and it's clear that you are all in on the contem- as a contemporary jazz artist. Well, I went to the school of George Howard, I went to the school of Grover, and I went to the school of Ronnie Laws. All yeah. those guys, really, they really spoke to me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so evident in your music, man. Like, those are, some of the, those are some of the dudes that are like, like, Grover gets a lot of a critical acclaim. I don't know that Ronnie Laws or George Howard get the critical acclaim that they deserve, but I got to tell you, listening to your music, man, I listen to it a lot listen to it i just i feel i can tell that those are some of your influences absolutely uh and i think you're you're on your spot on when you when you say those two artists did not get what what we say their due yeah but i think they did have a loyal following yeah and a respectable following that was undeniable and for some reason those guys really gravitate i really gravitated to their sound it yeah. sounded very honest yeah and i think that's what really gravitated me the most it's honest yeah 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 that's a really good thing you know when you when you said that it made me when you and like thinking about those artists it made me think of ronnie laws song every generation that you know that, mm-hmm. that's a very very honest song you know Mm-hmm. Have you ever looked in a face of eight? You know, like, so I, that's a really, really good point that I hadn't thought about. But you're right. That is one of the things I think with their music that made it so appealing to folks. Right. And I think uh, it was one of those things where they grew up in an era. And I think they learned in an era where the focus was on the music yeah. and less on the entertainment. Not, yes. to, not to take away from the entertainment or the what you do to make the audience feel good or what we call a lot of antics. Yeah, uh, and, and that's not a bad thing, but it's just a subjective thing. Right. But I think they focus more on the music and the art content itself to move the crowd. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's another that's another great point that you're making. You're so right. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like uh, I, I liken that to going to um, a basketball game. Now it's like it's entertainment from the from start to finish, and right. the game is secondary, right? And the points you're making is kind of the same thing, right? With those guys, it was about the music, and when they did their show, the music is what shine, not the lights and all that other stuff. Right. So absolutely. So what made you decide that you wanted to be a musician, and what made you decide that you wanted to to focus on contemporary jazz? Well, I tell you, uh, my story is very unique to say the least. Okay. Uh, I grew up as an uh, athlete, as a kid in a small town. And I've always wanted to play music, but I grew up in an era, in an area, I should say, where the environment really gravitated towards sports. And my parents was very practical and from an economical standpoint. So they told me, hey, look, make a choice. Music or sports. And small town is all about sports. But I grew up around a lot of music. So that's what really pulled me. But it wasn't until I graduated from college 
that I wanted to uh, pursue music. Uh-huh. Oddly enough, self-taught, but it was the music that I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in a lot of styles of music. Just listen to it, whether it's, I don't care if it's pop, yeah. R&B, gospel, blues, contempt jazz, but it wasn't until I graduated that I started to gravitate towards the sound of contemporary jazz. It okay. spoke to me, and it was a period of time where once I graduated, moved to Atlanta, this was the time, okay, now's the time to learn the art, learn the instrument, yeah. and, and I took off from there. Okay, okay. What sports did you play growing up? Uh, growing up, I played uh, basketball, baseball, and football, but I came to my senses with football. I, I found out that I was not going to gain too much weight, so yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, le- I left that alone, man. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So yeah. are, there th- are there things that you take from all those years growing up, up through college, from being an athlete that you apply to being a musician? Absolutely. One is uh, perseverance. Yeah. Because in this business, it's a tough business, and it will rent you out. Yeah. And ring you out if yeah. you're not tough. It's a it's a good uh, industry, but it's also a tough industry. Yeah. And the sports kind of taught you that because of the competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that part of the industry, though, the parts that are the tough parts of it, because I don't know that a lot of people really get that if they're not in the business. Right. Well, yes, absolutely. Well, on a uh, general speaking, what we do. 85% of the industry is the business side yeah. and 15% is the music side. Right. We tend to flip the other way. We yeah. think it's all music and no business, but it is totally the majority business. It's what drives the music. Yeah. So once you learn that part, then you'll understand your position or where you are in the industry. And it's a tough industry because it's very competitive. Yeah. For example, I play saxophone. Well, guess what? It's over a hundred saxophone players out there doing the same thing. Yeah. So how do you separate yourself from the pack? Or how do you get your record on radio and keep it on radio? Mm-hmm. How do you get on a certain festival or a certain uh, performance that allows you to perform? Yeah. It, it, and it's really tough because some people look at you as you're only good as your last show. You're only, mm-hmm. good, you're only good as your last song or your last hit or your last song on radio. And then people tend to forget about you. Yeah. In, in some regards, there's some reality to that because if you don't stay consistent, you can get lost in the sauce very quick. That's true. It's not unlike sports in that too. There's always somebody else coming behind you looking to eat your lunch too, right? Absolutely. So you have to stay on top of your game. You got to keep your eyes sharpen all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom for our listeners, too, because I, I think you made, you made a great point in saying that we tend to think it's about 85% of it's about the music, but it's the business part that drives it. And I know for me, like being as a promoter, we were just having a conversation in the studio before you came on about the artists that we put on our festival. And I was making a comment that, man, there's so many artists out there that I would love to have on the show I only got six slots that I can really put people into, right? And so, like, I'm talking to people all year long, and there's probably 20, 25 people that I would love to have on based right. solely on their talent and, you right. know, the vibe we connect with one another. But then I only got three shows, and I got to think about, man, in my market, who sells in my market, and who's going to, like, who's going to push tickets, and 
who's going to anchor. And if I have this anchor, this anchor sells 75% of their seats. So I can backfill with whoever I want to then. But if I got an anchor that sells 40% of their seats, then I got to have another person that sells, you know, a high number of seats to, to make the money to make the show work, right? And it is business that drives so much of it. And I think it gets, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. That's right. And I think what you just said is a lesson to us all is that it's never personal. Yeah. And, and the selection of the festival, uh, the festival events and stuff, it's about who can you put on that's going to draw. Yeah. It don't have to be a festival. It could be just a concert. Exactly. Who can you put in there that's going to put people in seat? Yeah. And you could be the baddest cat on your instrument, but if you don't have a fan base or don't know how to get out there on social media and work that uh, social media, yes, it's a death trap for the artist and both the promoter. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Well, that's one thing you do well, because I see you out on social all the time. You got your social game down. Well, I have to because I'm on the island by myself. Yeah. And what I mean an island by myself, I'm not on a record label. I am my yeah, record label. Right, right, I, right. I am. I, uh, my own manager. Some artists, they have infrastructure that helps support them or help promote them. I don't have that. Yeah. And I don't have time to have a pity party behind it. I got to go out there and get it. Yeah. Yeah. Great attitude, <laughs> man. Great attitude. So you released your first contemporary jazz work, Remembrance, in 2004. How did that album come about? Actually, that is a tribute to George Howard. Okay. Okay. And how it came about, I always wanted to do a solo record. I wanted to go as a solo artist because prior to that, I had a trio playing local here in uh, Atlanta, but I felt it was time that I wanted to express myself more as an, a solo artist. Mm -hmm. But it got to the, it was at the same time where George Howard had just passed away. I think he passed away in 98. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was I didn't see any tribute, yeah. any homage. I, didn't, I, I saw very few radio stations really playing his music. Yeah. And I, I kind of felt disrespected for him mm -hmm. because no one was doing anything for him. So I wanted to keep his music alive. Good. So I wanted to kick off my first record as a tribute to him because if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be playing the soprano yeah. or at, the, at that point. But he really influenced me a lot. And I just wanted to say thank you to him and also continue to... Uh, push his legacy yeah yeah that's fantastic man that's so fast forward to your latest release and you're working with some of what i would say are some of the top ascending artists in the genre so what was you know like adam at any one time adam holly's got four five six songs that either are his songs songs that he produced or songs that he wrote on and on the charts right Right. So what was that like working with Adam and, and Blake and, and, and David and those guys and your most recent album? Well, I think for me, it was a game changer Yeah, uh, because I saw where I was trending in the positive direction. The last three mm -hmm. records okay. prior to that, that release right there, I saw where I was trending in the right direction, but I needed something to take it over the top. And I think in some regard, the pandemic really contributed to that. Yeah. Because it allowed me to slow down on the performance end. Uh, we didn't have a choice yeah. because of the pandemic. Yeah. Right. And it, it really allowed me to become creative. It allowed me to reach out to producers that can really elevate what I was trying to say musically. Mm -hmm. And guys like David P. Stevens, Daryl Williams. Yeah. Adam Hawley, those guys, they have a knack for production mm -hmm. and they knew exactly what I wanted 
And it's by far my best record to date. Yeah. In every category, I should say. Yeah, it is a strong piece of work. It's a very strong piece of work. So who would you say, you talked about, obviously, Grover and Ronnie Laws and and George Howard, but who would you say are some of the current folks that are influencing you musically? That's a good question, because it's, it's quite a few that's out there really good. Saxophone, I would have to say, uh, I like, uh, I like Markwell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Markwell. My man, he's my fraternity brother. I forgot yeah. his name. Markwell Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. We, we call it, yeah. we call it M- MJ. Yeah. Marcus Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. What I like about Marcus Anderson is because he understands the business side and he's a phenomenal, he has a cross between performance and entertainment. Yeah. He does just enough. Yeah. Yeah. And he can play. And I just like his style of, of music. It really speaks to me. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me to identify uh, in the R&B world, but I do like quite a few that's out there. I've always liked the legacies of the world because yeah. they really have a lot to say. But in the smooth jazz genre, I have to say Marcus Anderson and Marquell Jordan because yeah. even Marquell, Marquell, he's fantastic. Saxophonist, yeah. but he's an even better vocalist. Yeah, yeah, he really is. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. a, that's something that kind of gets a little bit lost with him. He actually was just here for our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. He was a part of Adam Hawley's band um, yeah. when they were here. And I've had Marquell on the show, and, and he is. I think that gets lost with him how good of a vocalist he is and a good dude, just a really good dude. You know, it's like, right. you know, Najee said something to me once that I will never forget. He said, I've, I, I work with people that I like, you know, and I, it's, it's easy to work with somebody like a Marquell because he's just a down to earth, really centered brother, you know? Right. And you can't go wrong with guys like that. And it just makes everything else around the puzzle flow. Yeah. Even that, better. That's so true. That's so true. Well, let's take a listen to one of your songs. This is Hot Ice featuring Gino Rosario.
All right, everybody, that was today's guest, D. Lucas, and his song, Hot Ice. So, D, tell me about the title for that song. Why Hot Ice? It's a, it's a dichotomy, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's oxymoron right, going on right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's a twofold to that. The Hot Ice uh, is a combination between the melody and the groove itself. It's, okay. it's cool, but it's also hot. And yeah. it's also where I, we've, I featured uh, Gino Rosario. And if you listen to the plan, the performance, what he did on the song, it's hot. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really hot. And, and then my side of it, more of a smooth, cool sound. Yeah. And then the title itself kind of fits this uh, radio personality that we had in Atlanta. Uh, he passed away years ago, but he was very influential in the city with WCLK. His name was uh, Ken Beatty. Okay. And he had a show called Hot Eye. Okay, okay, okay. And it just resonated with me. Okay, let me just uh, keep that title uh, yeah. in honor of him, but it also resonates to the type of song that we put out. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I Yeah, that, when, you, when you say that, now you... I get everything that you're saying because it is in that song. That's really cool. So talk to us about your process for making music. Where does that inspiration come from? And once you get that spark, what do you do? How do you make it come to life? Right. Well, a lot of times I may have an idea, but since I'm not a producer, that is where I try to solicit or reach out to guys that's, that, first of all, that we're good friends, mm-hmm. that understand what I'm trying to do. I reach out to a producer and I may have a, you know, a meeting with him. Hey man, I would like to uh, come up with a song that fits this, uh, this, this mood. Mm-hmm. And, and already, sometimes I may have a melody on my sax that I may send to them and they can kind of craft the, the arrangements around it. Sometimes they may send me a track. Okay. If I like it, if it fits, I can write from it or if it needs to be tweaked, uh, I may, you know, send it back. Hey, Let's change this. Let's change that. And then I can write. Sometimes we collaborate on the melody. Okay. So basically, I reach out to the, uh, the producer and they'll send me a track. I sit in my studio miles away <laughs> mm-hmm. from a remote uh, situation and I'll write, I'll track it, and then I'll send it back to them so they can do the post-production on it. And then we just basically go back, back and forth and chisel it down to our likings of gotcha. the song. Gotcha. Okay. Are there parts of the process that you like more than other parts or, or less than other parts? Not really. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like the fact of collaborating with someone else because if I did all the writing myself, I truly feel I would find myself writing the same song over and over again. Yeah, good point. Good point. So that's why when I do a record now, I try to have multiple producers, not to go too far out, too far left, too far right from each other, to still have some continuity, but at the same time, they bring in some different sounds, different ideas to the song itself. Mm-hmm. And it gives, it, it gives me ideas, and sometimes it inspires me to play a certain way. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So how do you know when the song is ready to go, when it's ready to put it out there? Yeah, you really don't know. Uh, uh-huh. Because what I've also discovered is that what you think is going to pop, yeah, it, it may fall flat. Yeah, yeah. And, and what you put out there and just let it go, that's the song that may take off. Yeah. Case in point, most of us, we use radio promoters to promote our, our records on, you know, the billboard charts, the, uh-huh. billboard station, the reporting stations. Well, there was a point where I released The Time Is Now 
I released maybe two songs. Uh, I think it was uh, Tried and True and Feeling You. But after Feeling You, I didn't go through a radio promoter. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, put something out there to stay relevant. And I put this song that was read, that's a cover of uh, Babyface and Karen White. It was a tune called Love Saw It. Okay, yeah. I said, well, I don't think smooth jazz is really going to gravitate to it, but I know who will, everyone else. Uh-huh. And it took off. And basically what I did, I just put it out there on social media. I put out there a release date. And man, it took off. That song resonated across so much social media. It even charted on some of the non-smooth jazz stations. And it also nominated for a smooth jazz award. No kidding. Yeah. So it just goes to show you, you never know. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So you've been doing a lot of tour dates lately. So what's it like for you being on stage and seeing fans enjoying your music? That's always uh, the, I, I want to say that's the icing on the cake. You yeah. know, once you put once you put a record out there and then you get a chance to perform it in front of the listeners, I think it's always the icing on the cake of, of all the hard work that goes into the production of your your craft. But at the same time, I feel that within my passion is a purpose. And my purpose is to connect with the audience and make them feel a certain way because we're going through some tough, thing, some tough things and you never know what someone is going through. That's and so sometimes, true. and music can sometimes take them over the hump. Mm-hmm. And so, so when I connect with those audiences directly, it makes me feel like I have a purpose. Yeah, that's a cool thing. And, and you're so right. Like, we just came off of our festival, as I mentioned, and I got to tell you, being there, mm-hmm. I don't get a chance. To, I'm working, so I don't really get a chance to sit and listen to the artists like I wish I could, right? right? But I had so many people come up to me and say things like, thank you so much for doing this. This was the highlight of my day or the highlight of my week or the highlight of my year, I heard, right? Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. There's a magic that happens when artists like you are letting their music take center stage and move people right because it does it really does it does uh if you uh go at it with that narrative yeah where it's not where it's not about you yeah it's about what you provide for them because from a spiritual standpoint he's using you as an instrument to connect to the people and we're supposed to be servants you know of humanity and when you dig deep like that it makes everything all worthwhile yeah yeah i you know you are speaking the truth man because i can tell you so i I, we could spend all day and i could talk about songs and musicians whose work impacted my life at times where something was going bad or something was going good or where i just wanted to smile and needed to smile and that song or that lyric or whatever, that piece of a song gave me that thing. And so you're right. You really are like you, you guys as musicians really are instruments and being used by God to, to, to spread some joy and spread some light or to, you know, to be a, uh, you know, to be um, a bit of peace and a bit of calm. And sometimes, especially in the world today, what can right. often be stormy seas, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, once again, um, uh... And I've had this conversation before, and I think I've heard it over the years where it's one thing to have a passion for what you do, 
but you at the end of the day you ultimately must have a purpose yeah and take your passion and make it a purpose for something else yeah that is cool that is cool that's wisdom right there that's wisdom right there so d we do this segment on every show it's called bout it or doubt it if you're about it is something that you like if you doubt it is something that you're not feeling can we uh can we twist your arm and get you to play today yeah let's do it all right I doubt it. So, D, we're going to spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we'll ask you a couple about it or doubt it questions. All right. Okay. All right. All right. The wheel came up on travel and leisure for you, D. Okay. All right. Bout it or doubt it. Cruises. Doubt it. Yeah. Okay. Do you do it frequently? When was the last cruise you've been on, man? Never been on one. Never been on one. Okay. 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 So it's just, it's just something you want to do. I doubt it. I'm just, I'm not sure because I hear some fun things, but I also hear some not so fun things about it. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Right, right. Right now, it's on a doubted side. <laughs> gotcha. 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 It's so funny because my wife, my wife was 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 doubted all the way about cruises. And before we got married, I'd been on probably ten or twelve cruises. And so finally, a couple of years ago, I convinced her just before COVID. Just before COVID, mm-hmm. it was the summer before COVID. I convinced my wife and my daughter to go on a cruise, and we went. We went on a cruise from New York to Bermuda. It was a seven day cruise. Mm-hmm. And now, and my wife was freaking out about it then because she was like, I don't know about all those people in such close quarters. I will never get my wife on another cruise ship after COVID. Never. Mm. I don't think she'll ever go on one. I did cruising because I, you know, I like, you know, you go into the different ports. I like being on the boat and all that kind of stuff. And I never really had an issue with like getting seasick or anything. But yeah, right. I think a lot of people right now probably be more in that doubted category after the whole COVID thing. So, all right, let's right. ask, let's ask you one more question in travel and leisure category. Bout it or doubt it? African safaris. Bout it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that something you've done or is that a bucket list thing for you? It's definitely a bucket list because it's an area of curiosity for me okay because of the connection of the culture yeah uh, everything over there i just want to venture out and uh explore anything over there in africa yeah so i'm totally about it yeah cool cool yeah i gotta i've never had that the experience of doing that i gotta believe it's an amazing experience from a cultural standpoint from a um a beauty of earth standpoint as well and the creatures and the creations that are on this planet right I got to believe right. that's an amazing thing to see the differences there as well. Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, let's get into another one of your songs, man. How about we check out Full Tilt from the Time Is Now release?
right, that's D. Lucas with Full Tilt from his time is now released. So tell us a little bit about the genesis of that song, D. Again, that song was produced by uh, Adam Hawley, mm-hmm. features uh, Blake Aaron. That song was in the heart of the pandemic. So when Adam provided me the track, I was listening to it. I think I sat on it for about two weeks mm-hmm. before I even put my saxophone to it. And I was just hearing guitar. Okay. I was I was just basically hearing guitar. Yeah. And the song itself, Full Tilt, is about just making it happen. It's about do whatever you do, do it at a consistent full speed. Don't look back, no regret. That's yeah. what I mean by full tilt. Okay. And you know, ultimately that record became the highest charting record for me in my yeah. entire career. But uh it's a well written song. It's one of my favorite songs I play live. Yeah. It, it's not so much energy, but it's so it's cool. Yeah. It's real laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 So what's it like when you're in the zone musically, when everything is going right? What's that feel like for you? What's that like? Well, it just makes you feel that you are a true artist. You're doing what you're supposed to do. When you have the consistency, it also makes you want to continue to do more, mm-hmm. continue to reach for more. It's like you're, you're never satisfied. Okay. If you reach this, you reach this, uh, this accomplishment. You want to continue to grab more. You want to do more. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like winning. Once you win a championship, you don't want to lose. You want to continue to win. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even, you know, and it's like, I, I think, you know, you hear from people too, going back to the, you know, your, your dual career options that you were considering sports and music, right? Like mm-hmm. you hear so many athletes talk about the winning being like an elixir, right? Uh, and, and the fact that how hard it is to keep, keep winning how it's like it's not like you know life is not a linear thing right you don't just start win and start continuing to win but you got to keep reinventing yourself you got to work harder after you win to keep trying to win right and and the thing is where i am positioned in the industry although i've been performing since 2004 i still haven't reached any of the uh capacity of where i need to be Mm mm-hmm Although I've played in quite a few festivals, there's yeah. a lot of festivals that I haven't even touched. Yeah, yeah. That I feel like there is a mass of smooth jazz audience that don't even know D. Lucas. Yeah, yeah. So that in itself allows, okay, room for me to uh, stretch for, yeah. uh, strive for. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you've worked with so many different artists now, whether it's people that have been on your records or you being on their records or people you shared the stage with. Do you get starstruck anymore? No. No? Uh, okay. No, actually, I was never that guy that, that did. Uh, and here's why. I don't know if this really mattered, but growing up, my father always said, hey, man, everyone puts their pants on the same way. Yes, yes. And whether you're a celebrity, a celebrity is just status. It's not the person. Yeah. You put your pants on the same way, but at the end of the way, all this stuff can be taken away and you're still human. Yeah. So I've never been starstruck, even though the people that I'm beginning to see and work with are people that were like my childhood heroes, so to speak. Yeah. Let's say, for example, Gerald Albright. Yeah. Well, I remember Gerald Albright back in the 80s before I even picked up a saxophone. Uh huh. So he was like, okay, this guy is like legend. So I see him last week at Low Country Jazz Festival. We just chopped it up. It's it's just cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's human. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they make it easier for you to 
approach them that way yeah. because they're down to earth. Yep. But when they, but when you meet those guys that's got that diva or that real standoffish yeah. persona, it makes things a little bit more, a little bit more challenging. Yeah. But to answer your question, I've never been that guy that, Hey, let's take a picture. It's always like, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Hey, you know, appreciate you, what you're doing to the industry. It's always been like that. Yeah, that's cool. And I find what you say to be so true that I think most of the people that I've encountered in this industry too, are just decent people, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're like, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been a, you know, a music fan for a long time and have had the fortune of being able to connect with so many people in this industry who are people just like you said about Gerald Albright, people that I looked up to, you know, Kirk Whalum as an example, right? But mm -hmm. just the nicest brother, man. You talk to him, it's like you've been, it's like you talking to, you know, the brother next door, just down to earth and happens to be blessed with an amazing skill set from God. But there's no pretension. There's no, even Najee, mm -hmm. another brother like that. No pretension, right. just decent people that, you know, um, know who they are and mm -hmm. treat people the way they want to, be, want to be treated, man. And that's a really cool thing. Right. Absolutely. And I think also what helped me along the way is that when I started playing in Atlanta at the local scene, it doesn't hurt being in a market as big as Atlanta where you see someone every other day yeah. of that statue. So when you're performing on a local circuit, you never know who you may see. Exactly right. So it, so it becomes the normalcy. Yeah. And there's like, you, that's a great point. Cause there's markets like Atlanta, like, New York, like L.A., like Las yeah. Vegas, that it you can call it a local market, but it's really a national audience. You know, right. it really is because you're right. You don't know who's in that. Anybody can be in those markets at any point in time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. That's all right. So so do you have hobbies outside of outside of uh, your your music career? Well, when I was actually um Performing, building my career, my son played baseball. Okay. And I was somewhat of a coach, dad coach, until he became, you know, started playing in travel ball. So okay. I spent 15 years with him, watching him develop as a baseball player. Wow. So I still follow the game. In fact, I'm an avid sports lover. Okay. So whether it's pro, college, football, basketball, baseball, that is like my pastime is to really get behind the sports and just enjoy it, the okay. moment of it. Okay. Not so much of the club scene. I mean, I'm past that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't do anything for me, but I'm more into the sport. Yeah. Of course, I, you know, I like to uh, read different things, a lot, follow documentaries and stuff, trying to better myself from an educational standpoint. But I've worked so much from a musical uh, with my musical career that I need downtime. Mm -hmm. So yeah. family is very important to me. And sometimes just sitting around the house, not doing anything yeah. is something to me. Yeah. So, uh, and plus I'm a yard person. I like just being out in the yard. Okay. I'm, an outdoor, I'm an outdoors person. Okay. Okay. Uh, you and I share that. I'm a, my sanctuary in life is my patio, right? I That's can, it. I can sit on my patio. I don't have to. I can sit on my patio and watch birds and watch the leaves blow in the wind. And I can and listen to some music and I can be completely content. We're good. Yeah. I mean, patio every night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm with you on that 100 percent. So yeah. what advice would you give your 13 year old self about life, D? Continue to work. Mm -hmm. uh, continue to get better. Uh, no one owes you anything. Yeah. And always network because 
You can't do this alone. Yeah. And what I mean, this, whatever you want to do in life, no one succeeds by themselves. It takes a team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a process. Yeah. So true. So true. Well, let's play one more of your songs, man. This is the title track from your latest. This is The Time Is Now.
All right, again, everybody, that was today's guest, D. Lucas, with the title track from his recent release, The Time Is Now. So what is something your fans would be surprised to learn about you, D? Probably what I just mentioned, okay. uh, that I, I'm an outdoors person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like simple things. Even though I'm a musician, they see me as a celebrity. Yeah. D likes to go home and just relax. Yeah. Yeah. And do simple things. Yeah. I find that to be so commonplace with a lot of artists that I get a chance to talk to. I think there's this 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 erroneous thought that, you know, artists and musicians after the show, they go into the club and they hanging out till four o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. you're right. Exactly. I mean, when you say it like that, when you say, uh, uh, like, like that mm-hmm. is so frequent that so frequently what I hear that people are like, no, nah, man, I, I want to go home or I want to go back to my hotel room and call my wife or I want to, I want to go have a, a nice cup of coffee and relax and chill out and reflect, you know? Well, I think you also evolve as you get older. Yeah. Uh, your habits change, your uh, things, your personality change. Mm-hmm. When you're younger, yeah, you may want to do that, you know, just hang out after the show. But where I am in life, what I'm trying to do, what I'm striving to do, you have to be careful. But at the same time, do things in moderation. You can't do what you did 20 years ago. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm 55. So, yeah. And, and my, my, my thing is, I'm not 45, I'm not 35, and I'm definitely not 25. And I say it it just like that. So when I put the definitely on there, that means that what you did at 25 is a no-no. Don't even try it. Yeah. So I just try to do things uh, to get me to the next year and the year after that so I can kind of continue to support what I'm doing musically and with my career. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. So what's playing in your car right now? Right now? My new music. Okay. Okay. Because right now I'm in the critiquing stages for my next record. I do listen to a lot of Spotify. Uh, I Bluetooth it. Sometimes I listen to some of the local uh, jazz stations in town, WCLK and the Smooth Jazz 101. I listen to that, see what's out there. But for the most part, what I've been playing lately is a, a lot of the songs that's going to be on my next record, Title No Boundaries. So I'm kind of critiquing it. Um, cool. So as I put one out, put it in the can, work on the next one, listen to it. So when I pick my daughter from school, I'm listening to it. Uh, okay. Pros and cons. Okay. So as I get back home, I call the producer. Hey, Adam. Hey, DP. I'm going to change this right here. So that I'm in that phase right now. Okay. 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 <laughs> so, when can we expect to, uh, to, to, to listen to this new music? So check this out. The current single, of course, is Hot Ice. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like on the downswing now. November 7th, I'm going to drop another single and get this. Okay. It's called, it's called Sir D. Huh. It's called Sir D because it, it, once you hear it, oh, that sounds like Stevie Wonder. Ah. Well, b- basically, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to pay homage to Stevie Wonder. Okay. I didn't want to do a cover to him from Stevie. Yeah. I want to play a song in honor of him because he gave us the blueprint to feel good music. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to put a record out and honor saying thank you to Stevie for what he's given us. And this record here is going to have DP, uh, David P. Stevens as the producer, uh, Frank McComb. Uh-huh. He's going to be on there. He's playing uh, the Rhodes. Carl Cox on sack. Yeah. It's a phenomenal record. It's going to be on the next, the next album. Now, the album is going to drop in March okay. of 23. Okay. So that's going to be the next single coming out 
November 7th. Right. And then I'm going to drop another single out in March. I think okay. March 13th, something like that. Fantastic. Everybody, you heard it here. Y'all get those dates on your calendars. Be looking for it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so D, what was the last concert you paid, you paid to see? Oh, man, it's been a while. <laughs> I think uh, it's, been a, it's been a long time, and I think it may have been Frankie Beverly May. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's been, ooh, it's been a long time. Yeah. You know what? I take that back. I went to go see Mike Phillips. Okay, okay. I went to go see Mike Phillips here in town. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. That was recent, Phen- huh? Oh, yeah. He's phenomenal, man. Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, Mike is somebody I've been talking to about getting on the show, so I look forward to doing that. He is quite a talent. He is quite a talent. Yep. So do you get a chance to go to many shows now these days? or Not as much because yeah. the ones that I tend to earmark or put on the calendar, I get a phone call. Hey, man. Can you come out to uh, Phoenix? Hey, man, can you yeah. come out to Seattle? It's that kind of thing. So you got to go with duty calls. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your guilty pleasure? I mean, I like to eat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I like, to, yeah, man, I like to eat. Man. Uh-huh. I'm, and, and, and the irony to it, I'm, I'm skinny as a real. Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I love to eat, man. So you one of them cats that I, that I get angry at, man. Y'all can eat everything. <laughs> and yeah. then big cats like me, man, I look, I look at something and I feel like I gained five pounds, man. <laughs> man, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I had yeah. a, I had a cousin just like you, man. And he put a he put a plate together, man. His plate be full, and he never ever seemed to gain any weight, man. His plate would mm. always be full. He'd go back for seconds and thirds, and I'd be like, "Where do you put this stuff, man?" Man, that's just exactly how I am. <laughs> Maybe because of my metabolism, I don't yeah, know, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't sit still, man. <laughs> so, yeah. so I love. I got a couple questions I love to ask all of our guests, and I'm gonna I'm gonna roll these out to you, man. Okay, so. Your favorite three albums of all time. Ooh, okay. Wine Light. Yeah, yeah. Global Washington. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. That's the way of the world. Yeah, another good one. Yep. And, ooh, this, this has got to, this is going to cut a little bit because I got more than three. Yeah. I got to really think about this. <laughs> Whoa. Man, this is deep. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, one of my favorite. This is it has nothing to do with what I'm doing as a saxophonist. Yeah, I was a funketeer. Yeah, okay, okay. Bootsy Rubber Band. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first concert I ever went to see was the Mothership Connection tour. Man, that thing turned me out. Oh man, I will never forget it. They at the the, the show that I was at, they had this fake spaceship. Mm-hmm. in the arena and the, and the mm-hmm. ship descended and it was just like that was just off the chain man so parliament funkadelic bootsy man that was that was what i was growing up on man those were game changers for me and i was a kid i mean yeah believe it yeah i mean i, I couldn't have been anymore maybe about 12 years old when yeah. i went to that concert yeah. it was the mothership connection it was the brides of funkenstein yes <laughs> bootsy rubber band <laughs> And Parliament Funkadelic. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I'm a couple years older than you, but we're the same thing, man. With kids going to that show and just being like, man, I've never seen anything like this before. And man, the, the odd thing about it, because I was definitely naive on a lot of things, is that when the lights went out, when the show was about to start, this aroma kicked in. <laughs> I said to myself, what is this smell? Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh-huh. so, 
<laughs> I found out real soon because we I think we all had contacts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that was a part of any Parliament Funkadelic and Bootsy show. Oh my goodness. That aroma was wherever you were, that aroma was there with you. And when the lights <laughs> went out, the lights went up. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. What what did George Clinton say? When the horns blow, you got to be ready to go, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. So another question I'd love to ask is you're having a dinner party and you can invite any three people living or deceased to your dinner party. Who's coming to your dinner party and what's on the menu? Well, I'm going to have one of my great aunts because they have dry humor. Okay. Okay. That's one. The other one is my father. Yeah. That's dry humor. Okay. And the other one is his brother. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a family affair. Yeah, man, because they, they will have you rolling. If you like Fred Sanford, yes. There's just just picture Fred Sanford and S. <laughs> and everything is just serious, but man, they will have you rolling. Oh. The anti eating it's it's just gut busting. That is cool. And of course, man, barbecue. Yeah, okay. Barbe- okay. Bar- okay. Barbecue, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now do you do you get down on the grill yourself or oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I love it, man. I don't I don't do uh as much pork as pork as I used to, but I do yeah. more like the fish, that type of thing, yeah. fish and chicken. But I love the grill. That's another pastime. Uh when I'm on the patty. Okay, yeah. Uh, I love the grill. What are you working with kind of grill? What kind of grill you working with? Oh my goodness. Uh I don't even know the name of it, but it's almost like a stove where you raise it and oh, it's got yeah. the side the side flute to the side. Okay. And, oh, you got complex it, stuff. Yeah, and it smokes real good. good. It smokes real good. Good. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah, that's one of the things I enjoy doing, too. I don't, I don't have it like you, though, man, where I got that stove out there, man. I got to up my game, man. I got to up nah, my game. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So tell us what the rest of the year holds for you and what we, you told us about your new, rec- your new work coming out in, in March of 23. What else can we look forward to from you in the next, next year or so? Well, coming, well, to close out this year, I think I have baby six maybe seven more performances uh, okay. i don't think I, I don't think i'm taking any more shows this year because i'm really trying to uh you know focus on these these last shows here but at the same time wrap up my record and mm-hmm. if i continue to take more shows then it's going to really prolong the, the recording process gotcha so basically I'm, I'm trying to uh focus more on the production end and then just basically uh, sit at home during the holidays, uh, preparing for 2023 for more shows, yeah, uh, more marketing creativity uh, for my uh, my brand, I should yeah. say. And what the things that I can do to kind of elevate my record label because th- this is me. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, D man, I got to tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and chopping it up with you for a little while, man. We. We appreciate what you have put out into the universe, the music you have made that has given people so much joy. We wish you nothing but continued success, man. And we hope to see you out there on stage sometime in the real, real soon. Thank you so much. It really was an honor to even be on the platform. But more importantly, thank you for giving us as artists a platform to say what we have to say musically. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. All right, my brother, all the best to you. Thank you so much. All right. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Backstage.